right. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. Here we are live, episode 139 at, in Eindhoven in the Netherlands for Winter Clash. I don't even know what number Winter Clash this is. I got kind of lost after 2019. That's true. I don't know. <laughs> but we're here back again after four years of not being here and the whole... Three uh, years. Was it 2020? Okay. So, I thought it was 2000. Okay. So it was like just before everything. Yeah. Which is crazy. Three years has passed. Yeah. And uh, were, you at the, were you at the one in 2020? No, this is my first one. Ever? Yeah. yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. So it's very interesting for you then. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it feels like, it doesn't feel like three years when you see all these people again. I don't know why, like you see everybody like, damn, I really haven't seen you in three years. I feel like nothing has changed though. You always pick up where you left off. It's like when you see everybody, it's like, all right, let's get back to it now, you know? The world doesn't stop. Blading doesn't stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the Blade family that's always like, it's like your cousins on Thanksgiving. Like you haven't seen them for like a whole <laughs> yeah. year, but it's like nothing's changed. Mm -hmm. But um, Cody, thank you for joining us today. Uh, I've been wanting to have you on this podcast for a while and you've had a lot of stuff come out in the past few years. So it's good that we could have you live and sitting in front of us. And you've had like a very interesting uh, few years with traveling and relocating. And you also just put out something recently with Demscape. So it'd be cool to get into all that. But uh, first, I, I was talking to you before we started with this podcast and I was kind of curious about like uh, not only your origins of how you started skating, but like where you're from because i think i thought you were from colorado but i guess you ended up there so uh where are you from and what's kind of like your introductory into the skating world uh yeah well first off i'm happy to be here talking to you guys man i feel like we've been trying to make this happen for a while and you and i always have such interesting instagram chats that i'm like excited uh but <clears throat> yeah i feel like i'm kind of a ghost or like a mystery skater because i didn't really make big edits until i lived in colorado in Denver. Uh, but I was born in Gloucester, Massachusetts and I lived there till I was 12. That's where I started skating. And this is, you know, 98, 99. So like we were seeing it on TV and they had built a skate park in my town. So I would go there with my rec skates and like my skateboard, my bike, whatever. And so I moved with my family to Arizona to page Arizona, like middle, middle of nowhere, nowhere man. Yeah. yeah like <laughs> one of the most, I, I think it is one of the most remote towns in the continental U.S. Page, like, Arizona? Like, how yeah. Does, you, you were familiar with the page. There's only like three cities in Arizona. <laughs> really. like yeah. yeah. It's like Tucson, Phoenix, yeah. Flagstaff, and Page. That's it. And Page is like just in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Well, now it's super famous because of Instagram. So like, you yeah. know, uh, Horseshoe Bend or Antelope Canyon. Okay. Those are there like mm -hmm. at Page. But when I was growing up, like my best friend's dad was one of the first people to photograph Antelope Canyon. So like Damn. it wasn't a big tourist hub, you know, it was a town that was one mile by one mile and nothing else for two hours in any direction. Wow. So I was already skating a little, but I'd never seen a skate video. I'd only seen skating in the X games. And so like they had a really crappy little skate park there, like your classic early 2000s, like wooden frames and one oh, quarter pipe one leg yeah yeah one yeah thing. yeah i think it was voted worst skate park in america on america on skateparks.com in like <laughs> 2004 dude I gotta yeah look that it, up it's yeah on like dude. one of those like instagram pages like crappy skate park yeah, yeah 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 so like i don't know i just started going there a lot there was a couple guys that skated back then and uh i just like it wasn't a great place to grow up like it was kind of a there was just a lot of weird stuff that went on because everybody knew each other it was a super small community and then it's basically on the Navajo reservation. So it was a really weird environment to go to from Massachusetts, where I was just like in a public school, everybody in Massachusetts is, you know, Portuguese or Italian or, or whatever, you know, well, and now a big old, big, like pretty big town, right? Like it's like, uh, yeah, yeah. It's not huge, but it's like a, a port town and there's a big community of Portuguese people. Okay. My mother is half Portuguese. Exactly. So all of a sudden we were living in the desert, you know, there's no woods around. Most of the kids are Native American or white. You go to one side or the other. And I was in the weird middle, you know. So I started viewing like, and I, this is getting serious really quick, but like I just viewed skating as an escape. So I started to skate a lot in Arizona, right? Like the kids at the skate park became like family, you know, when I had nowhere else to go. So I would just live at the skate park. So I got good skating there. Not super good, but I never filmed anything, you know, like I skated there for 10 years. Like I would film with my friends with like a jail too, but we never really would put out it's out. And at this point where you're getting like kind of getting exposed to videos. Uh, uh, yeah. There? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, had seen my first video and then I had bought the Dyna team video, okay. which was, you know, like 
so sick yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. my first two videos were Dyna team and then steal this video okay Damn. and so i was like oh this is this you know, is like, this is it yeah. yeah yeah so at that point yeah i was like we got to film this like we got to yeah. make this happen right uh but we would go to phoenix and flagstaff sometimes once i was older but i think that a lot of those guys like james was always super cool but i think a lot of the other skaters just kind of viewed us as like the weird like trailer trash kids from the north you know <laughs> so like, nowhere. yeah yeah <laughs> like it's like i don't know how to skate this giant cement ramp like i've got a wooden quarter pipe dude <laughs> so then um at some point like i was able to get away from there and move to colorado where my best friend that i grew up skating with in arizona had moved and so with or with with family or on your own to on college? my own yeah yeah and so he was friends with all the street skaters in Denver, like Jeremy Spira, Howie Bennett, Jeff Phillip. And it was like a really lively scene. And for me, it was mind blowing because I hadn't, you know, you see skate videos and magazines and you kind of have an idea that scenes are out there like that. But, you know, I was used to skating with four people at best and during some years, no one else. So it was crazy to go somewhere because all those guys, like they lived, you know, like trash in the same house. Like, you know, it was like the skate houses. Yeah, skate life. Yeah, <laughs> dude. And so it was like, whoa, this is so cool. Like these guys work dead end jobs. They don't care about anything other than skating. So I fit in really well. And that was where I started actually getting very good and learning from like Spyro, especially. It was like a huge influence for me and Jeff Phillip and Howie too. Like just skating with them every day pushed me to start filming like real tricks. So that was when I started to have edits out that like actually got some traction, which is probably for the best. So I think it's always confusing for people because they'll be like, oh, yeah, you're from Colorado, right? And it's like, well, I was born in Massachusetts, but I really like became who I am in Arizona. I don't know. And now I live in Europe. So, yeah, that's that sounds like such like a culture shock from place to place. So you're mm -hmm. going from like this, like what I know of Gloucester is like if anyone in, in America knows or watch like really bad TV shows like me, it's like the Wicked Tuna. It's like the fishing yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so they have like that whole like guys like the really harsh accents like mm -hmm. out there right. on the boats. Yeah. And uh, I guess you said it's like Portuguese and Italian heavy uh, yeah. influence down there. And Arizona, like my experience is that, like you said, with James and even like the small towns I, I, I've never experienced. But I can imagine that's like not being able to engage in a scene as like actively as uh, Colorado could be a bit of like a culture shock there. Um, or just being in like a more populated place in general like everything yeah. about that is different so you skated that park and page for like years and years and that was the only thing you skated yeah well i was very lucky <laughs> because crazy. page even though it's so small it actually has like a quite a few decent street spots and like weirder things too you know like you know, one mile by one mile radius yeah yeah oh, because you know <laughs> you crazy. go through a lot of small towns in the states and it's like a gas station yeah exactly and that's it but page actually had quite a few good spots but yeah, I don't know, man. When I look back on it, I'm kind of grateful because I got super, I would get bored, right? So I would have to be like, how do I skate this same ramp yeah, for the next 10 years? Yeah. yeah, and so I think a lot of my influences kind of came from being forced to skate the same thing from so long. And also, like, once I started seeing people, like, Colin Kelso was the biggest one for me who was making, like, artistic parts. Then all of a sudden it was like, oh, I can express myself with this, which once I understood that, then it really opens up spots. Mm -hmm. Because all of a sudden that little bump to a ball ride is like a spot because I can film something there that maybe will like become something more than it, it is on its own, I guess. I don't know. So, yeah, I skated that same park for 10 years. I was always like throwing events and like barbecues and writing letters to the paper to like try to get a new park. And they like finally eventually put in like some plastic ramps instead of the wood at right before I moved. But now they actually have a really sick skate park. There's so, so many good skate parks in the middle of nowhere. And then yeah. we like, complain in New York where we have like shitty parks or like they're not good or whatever. And I actually drove by Moab probably isn't too far from the yeah. I think. I remember driving through Moab, which is also like one street long, the whole thing, yeah. maybe like a mile of anything. And there was actually a pretty good skate park. In mm -hmm. it. And I was like, oh, I was really impressed by it. And that's why I picture a page when I, when I think about it. <laughs> it's also really cool to hear like that the letters worked. I love hearing like that. Yeah. Like, you write the city and you're yeah. writing. It's also a like, small town <laughs> thing, I think. Yeah. Coming from New yeah. York, I was like, that would never work. <laughs> no way, man. Yeah, you write them the letter and they like post it in the, in the paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, in New, New York, York, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but you. But yeah, I mean, I was definitely like a troublemaker at the same time of, of like, I'm like getting young kids to skate and like writing letters to the paper. I, I played a weird role there. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Should have been mayor. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and I, and I can see that like that makes sense. I've expo- we've spoken to a few people before who said like they've grown up in like places without too much stuff. Like you said, there's some spots in page, but like a fo- being forced to kind of work with what you have, like mm-hmm. kind of pushes like more of like a creative uh, way of thinking behind like your skating instead of like yeah. so much like spot searching. I kind of like what can I create with this spot in front of me? Mm-hmm. And uh, so that must have been like cool to go to Denver, like see like a thriving scene. And like to be around like this like plethora of spots like in comparison, um, so yeah like what what like uh, what was like your take on skating when moving there like your like way of looking at skating coming from there um, if that makes sense yeah yeah um, well it kind of fit in at the time because when I went there that first time I mentioned was for the Colorado road trip uh, my buddy who had I. would growing up skating with a page who had moved there we had lost touch for a few years he quit skating and then he started again so he was like there's this trip we go to all these skate parks you know you should come and at the time i was kind of having a crisis in page of like you know i'm living in a trailer i work at walmart like this is my life you know like i'm too smart for this like i just get drunk every night like really this is it and i always knew that skating would get me out so when he told me that i was like all right let's do it and you have to remember like probably coming from new york it's hard to imagine but like I didn't know anybody that was sponsored. You know, like I met Jaron Grobe once in Utah. Like that was it. Like that was my whole thing, yeah. you know, like, and I saw the guys in Phoenix when I would sometimes go to TNR, me and my trailer trash friends, like from a distance, you know? So when we went there, then all of a sudden, like, like I said, Spyro was a huge hero. And then I'm like skating with him and he's really friendly and cool. And like, so once I made the decision just to, I like just sold all my stuff one day and just went there and moved into my buddy's like living room basically. But at that time, those guys were really starting to skate weirder stuff, like broken rails, trash, like how he had a big influence on pushing everybody just to, to not like skate the same boring rails. Yeah. So I think that I was a little bit used to that because I had been kind of doing that anyway, right? Like using spots in a different way. I wasn't on the level that they were just because for so long I didn't skate with other people. But I think that I just felt like, whoa, they're doing something that I think is cool. And really something that I think I've never seen before. So I really want to be a part of this, right? Like I want to be on the level that they are doing this. So it was really overwhelming at first and I'm really nerve wracking. Like I would be so nervous to skate at like the TNR or whatever, because there's 50 other bladers, you know, like normally it's me and one little kid, you know, but. Was that intimidating for you or you like just fit right in? Oh no, it was for sure intimidating. Yeah. I mean, even now, like I get super nervous in big groups, like uh, usually even when I film parts now, it's like me and a filmer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Do you like that? I'm, I was eh. recently watching, I forget what I was watching, but it was just, it was like an older video and it was just like the classic, like, it was kind of like that VG kind of vibe where like mm-hmm. everyone just comes out when like someone's filming in town and then like every trick landed was like, yeah, like, so like a tour kind of vibe. Yeah. And I was like, I haven't experienced that in a long time. Usually when I go filming, it's like me and like two or three other people, maybe max. And I feel like a lot of skate videos now are like that. Everyone's just trying to almost like business blading, like just to get shit done. Mm. And I'm curious what people's thoughts are on that too, because they're both completely different vibes, but I feel like they're both so good. Yeah. I think it depends on what you're doing for sure. Because if you're on tour with your friends, then that's like the best, you know, like when, like seeing when you guys would be on tour, the Mesmer stuff, it's like, man, that seems like so much fun, you know, but at the same time, when I'm trying to make a part, it's like, I don't want anybody else there because I'm that dude who's kind of like, oh, these guys are waiting on me. And like, I'm yeah. not, I can't just get this done perfect. It's easier with like one filmer who's going to be like, let's be here for three hours. But it's definitely a different vibe. When I was just in New York with Mike, we had a few days where we went out with the Bodega Boys. And it was like, we just sessioned and yeah. filmed what happened. And it was really fun. Yeah, I, I can I could see like getting something from either side. Like for me, like I know what you mean. It definitely adds like an element of uh, if there's other people like waiting or if like you feel like the session's kind of coming on you. If you're having a struggle with the trick and you have the, the, these other elements like, oh, I don't want to hold certain people up. Mm-hmm. But the, then you could also get to like these vibe moments where like mm-hmm. everyone's just sessioning and things are just kind of happening organically. And so I, I can see a bit of both. Um, so that's interesting. I kind of want to go back to what you were saying before, like you when you were skating in Page that um the pro blading or like sponsored blading almost wasn't like even a viable option and uh, what it seems and like you said like you first met like uh jaron grub so what did the first inspiration to like film when you go to denver and you see all these the scene 
was this where you first like, ooh, I, I, I want to film a part. I want to work on things. Or was that happening before or where did that come from? Uh, it was definitely happening before because, like I said, I had started to see videos. Sorry, it's hard to condense so much. Uh, but I had begun to see videos. And once I saw videos, then it was like, like I said, like, oh, this is why you do it. Like, I didn't care about contests. I didn't care about, like, anything else. I, I just knew, like, this is how you do it. You know how it is. You get yeah. your first clips. You watch them, and it's like something magical happens. And especially, like I said, around that time, like watching Colin Kelso and the way that he would talk about skating and about trick choices, it just made me realize, like, oh, oh, I can express myself through this. And so I was already making parts, but we're talking about, you know, I had a GL2 that I didn't know how to use. I would hand it to whoever could maybe point the fisheye <laughs> yeah. in the direction. It wasn't... Who also didn't know how to use it. Right, <laughs> right. So it wasn't really making stuff, whereas in Denver, I guess the big thing was I would go there and watch the part that Howie had just made and it's like this is a skate part mm -hmm. you know this isn't somebody screwing around like this is a skate part yeah. so definitely it was like um, more motivating to do it but I, I almost went there to do that you know like skating I know it's not an option as a career but I have no life anyway like all I want is to skate and make parts so I'm going to go to this place where I can skate with people and make parts and I don't care what it takes to do that so it was like almost a, like an end of like a means to an end in a way like i'd know I, like i knew there was no money so yeah. it was just like i want to make the parts and this is where i can do it but it's also like cool i think when like you want when you're motivated by something that's outside of money because it's like that's like almost like an artistic pursuit or like some sort of like deeper pursuit that you're like i want to at least like have this done um and like i like when i was discovering your skating i was I was actually like kind of taken back because I was like, who this there's so like it, it felt like I didn't see your skating. And then I saw like some of like the best skating. And I was like, what the heck? like, where did this all come from? So I want to kind of actually get it dig into like your philosophy and way of thinking about skating a bit. You've mentioned uh, Colin Kelso a couple times, and I think he's a very one of the most like thoughtful skaters in his approach to like how he's like looking at skating and how he's approaching things. So I guess like. You can answer this in so many different ways, perhaps influence or like your own take, but like, how do you, where did you like, uh, yeah, like where do you draw influence and like, how do you see skating and wanting to present it? Even though I think your skating does a lot of the talking with on its own, but. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, it's a heavy question. Uh, but for me, it has always just been, like I said, a way to show who I am in that moment that I'm working on the part. So. Colin, of course, was doing that, but also other people were too. Like Farmer, I would say, was doing that around like bang and accidental machines. Like, definitely, there was just something more there. Like, I felt emotionally engaged. So, for me, when I make parts, that's all that I really want. And it's all that I've ever wanted. Like, I always knew I was never going to be doing 540 soyals on rails, you know? So, I think understanding that I could approach it in a different way. Did it, is it because that, like, I'm sorry to interrupt, but is know. it because, like, uh, that didn't interest you like per se like the pursuit that you were going or was it just like uh that that's that's not a like that's not a way i want to go or like that's like see i don't know like yeah, i mean honestly i'm just not that good you know like, yeah, I, right. like <laughs> I, really, I can do some stuff and like when i was super young a teenager then i was like yeah you know i'm gonna i would go to the contest in utah and like huck 540 guns and stuff but at some point yeah i just realized like this isn't this isn't doing it for me. Like when I watch this, I'm bored of it. Right. Uh, not that I was ever that good at it. So I guess it was more just like, uh, because as we said, I lived somewhere where we had only a few spots and they were kind of weird. It was like, I could squeeze more out of them by skating creatively and making something that I was more focused on how it felt than I could by trying to go to like the two good rails and do 10 traditional good tricks on them. So now I think the philosophy is the same. Like I can't make a part unless I, like, I will only want to make a part if I have a feeling that I'm trying to share, or like a vision, you know? Otherwise, I don't care. Like, I don't want someone to film me just to show that I'm good, you right. know? Like, I don't care. It needs to be, like, inspired in some sort of way or, like, some sort of message within the skating. I, I think the same for, like, like skating could relate to, it could be related to a few things. Like, these kind of events, you could look at in, a, in an athletic way. And other ways, it could be looked at in an art way. You could so many different approaches. And I feel like when you're coming at it from like an artist's perspective, there has to be some sort of inspiration or something that you're trying to, to show and express without 
words, being able mm -hmm. to do it, that yeah. show who you are with that's because saying things and words can kind of be confusing and you also have control of what you're saying. So it might not be genuine mm -hmm. and something that comes from like a skating perspective, like it's a genuine, like, uh, it's not like the plexiglass broke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully the ramps are all right. Hopefully all right. <laughs> Sorry for the audio, by the way. I didn't know that there was going to be like construction going on um, uh, at this time. I don't think it's that bad, but just in case people I, are wondering. I think it's okay. Yeah. Um, so not, not to go too far off track there, but um, I, 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 I like the idea of like wanting, like being inspired to, to show something. Yeah, definitely. And the thing is when it, when it, I try to talk about it and it's like, oh, I'm trying to express myself and make this artistic thing. It sounds super pretentious or something, but it really only applies to making a section. You know, like when I live, since I moved here, I haven't filmed a clip and I've been having so much fun. Like I just love just skating. Like I love to skate. I especially love to skate with kids because I grew up skating with a lot of younger kids because when everyone would stop and page, I would give skates to kids and be like, I I need someone to skate and point the gel too. Here you go. Yeah. Uh, so like, and also to share the joy of what it yeah, is that you're yeah. experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. And here there's a great scene of young kids. So skating with them, like has been teaching me a lot about myself and the way I talk about myself in front of other people and the way I talk about skating. But when it comes to making the part, yeah, I don't last year I tried to make three parts and I realized halfway through that I was, I wasn't invested in it because I didn't have a vision. I kind of had a vision for one and that was it. So I felt that I was forcing the rest, you know? So I guess it's just like, uh, if I'm making a part, then yeah, that's kind of the motivation. That, and that makes sense. And I, I can definitely relate to what you're saying, like um, the energy between filming a part and just truly enjoying skating. Like uh, there were so many times like in my youth, I feel where I was skating where you don't even think about a camera. You're not, it's not even like a part of like your way of thinking. You're just like enjoying the moment that's occurring mm -hmm. here. And then I feel like, I feel like now sometimes you can get lost in a way where you almost, why would I skate without filming? I know, like, I you, you know, that. and, and it's, it's good. That. It's good to kind of have that separation because they are two different experiences and yeah. one's more like, uh, kind of truly enjoying this moment and others like kind of doing work and putting something mm. together like you know drawing something or Those, i think that goes back to like that vibe that i was talking about before like the group session filming mm -hmm. and then like the single person filming because when the single person like you're on a mission kind of thing but the group things everyone's vibing off each other like a tour a tour like atmosphere everyone's just skating just vibing off each other and someone happens to be there with a the camera just almost candidly capturing shit you know and this is a completely different vibe that you get off of those two types of styles of, of sections. Yeah, definitely. And that's the thing too, is like, uh, there's, it's always different vibes from it and you have to have, have a balance, you know, like I think I've seen too many friends who are good at skating, get to that point of, that you were mentioning where it's like, I don't want to skate unless I'm filming, but then because nobody's filming all of a sudden you're not skating. And right. then when you do skate, you feel like crap cause you haven't been skating. So for me now it's almost a balance of if i go skating for fun or a session i don't even think of filming i'm just having a good time I'm trying to learn some tricks maybe whereas if i'm making the part it's like pure work mode i've got the list of spots i've got this much time let's go let's do it so it's almost a totally different thing for sure totally like i remember even this like in my early days skating like it was uh skating was so connected to like uh being with my friends like mm -hmm. as a part of sharing it with my friends that i used to think like skating even like by yourself was like a kind of crazy thing and now like i really enjoy that because it's just like you can get, get up go do it whenever you want get up in the morning go mm -hmm. and it's almost like the dojo you know what i yeah. mean you kind of go and like you have like your moments like a meditational moment but mm -hmm. there's so many like different aspects you can pull from the experience of skating that are valuable but um yeah so there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about um, while you're here. I know we're kind of limited on time due to our normal podcast, so we'd like to touch on very specific things. But you are here now I, I'm in Europe, so mm -hmm. talk about your journey. You were from Gloucester to Page to, to Denver, yeah, and uh, I, I still would like to talk touch on Denver if we have the time. But you ended up over here. I saw you in Portugal. Mm -hmm. I guess that maybe there's some connection to your heritage, but I also heard you talking outside about Georgia, mm. uh, which is the, for those in America who know it's not, not just the state. state. <laughs> it's also a country. Yeah. And um, the kind of that experience. So uh, what motivated uh, you to come out to Europe and what has your experience been like uh, here thus far? Uh, it's been great so far. I love Europe. But uh, basically in 2018, I'd been in Denver for five years or so. And the scene was kind of starting to fall apart a little bit. People weren't skating as much. And I had felt like I had made my best part and I had done everything I wanted to do. Shadow was done. Like I was supposed to be the new pro and then like overnight the company died and I was just 
like I didn't have any direction. And so I was kind of tired of skating. At the same time, I had finally like sobered up for the last time. And so the Denver scene for me, my close friends were like heavy partiers, heavy drinkers. So it was just kind of a culmination of things. All of a sudden, I wasn't that connected to skating. The, the draw to do it was gone. The sponsors were gone. I had trouble hanging out with my friends because I didn't want to drink or do drugs anymore. And so I had bought a ticket to Europe for my first trip for two weeks with my close friends uh, in t the end of 2017. Because I was sober and I was like, I'm going to stay sober so I can do this trip, you know. And I had no money. I worked in like a, for a coffee company, basically. Like, you know, took me months and months just to save enough money to take this trip, right? And so after I took that trip, then I realized like, man, I just love traveling. And I'm kind of living this, you know, mediocre life, I guess you could say, like in a really crappy basement apartment with, you know, overdrafting my account every month. And I'm doing it so that I can make skate parts. So kind of the flip side of the coin, all of a sudden I was like stuck in life because I was only making skate parts. And so I just realized through a friend who I had met traveling, she was like, you can do this thing where you work in hostels in exchange for room and board. And so I had already figured out, like, is it I don't... woofing? That's, no, that's, uh, no, that's uh, the... There's one where you go on to, like, farms. Or farms. Okay, yeah. sorry. This one will have farms and stuff, too, but it's just, like, any job, any odd job that somebody wants to do, and they have a oh, place for cool. a person to stay. Yeah, yeah. And so I was just realizing, like, I need to make a change because I need to get out of this environment if I'm going to stay sober and, like, and stay healthy. And so I decided I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to go back to Arizona and stay with my buddy on the reservation and live in his basement and work for three months at two jobs. And then I'll just leave with whatever, however much money I have, right? Because I've got nothing going for me anyway. And so the funny part is the day that I decided to quit, I went into my boss and I was like, yeah, I got to tell you something bad. And he's like, okay, well, we need to talk first. And he says, I want you to be the new coffee tester, which means I would be flying to different countries tasting the coffees, rating what? them, deciding which ones to buy, and photographing the farmers. Like, the dream job. I would say that's a hell of an opportunity Dude, to pull out of Page, Arizona. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> and, like, the ultimate dream job, you know? And so I was like, oh, you know what, man? I quit. I'm sorry. <laughs> so this poor guy, you know, knows that I came from nothing, you know, in Denver. He knows that I was just working in kitchens before that. And he's, like, offers me the dream coffee job. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go be a bum. Yeah. Uh, but so then I, yeah, I just... Lived in Arizona in basement, worked at a bar at night, and worked at, for my worked friends. Worked at a bar at night while yeah. you're sober? Yeah, yeah. Was Just, that a challenge? Or? Yeah, uh, not really. I was, like, so dedicated so by that point. It. You know, yeah. like, I'm leaving the States. Like, the only reason I'm going to do I'm, I can do this is because I'm sober. And all I've wanted is to do this, right? My whole life, I never thought I would travel or be able to do anything, you know? Like, I thought I was stuck. So, I was good motivation, even working in the bar, you know? So I eventually, at the end of the three months, I had like $5,000. So I just left and I went to Portugal first to the Azores and worked, like helped a woman just doing gardening and like house stuff and lived at her house. And then I, we went to, I went to Morocco. And did you I, speak English or did you start picking up some Portuguese? Uh, I spoke English. I, I barely can speak any Portuguese. <laughs> it's so hard. And so Tough language, yeah. I had met a girl right before I left. Uh, Denver and we had kind of met under the pretenses of like I'm moving let's just have a fling you know and like just be ourselves with each other because yeah. we're leaving and uh, at the end of the summer we kept hanging out and so when I left I said okay you know like if you want to travel with me you can meet me in Morocco and so then sure enough like after Portugal she met me in Morocco so we worked together at a hostel lived in like a tiny little like closet basically in the hostel and then we just kind of kept doing that for three years and so we would travel places work odd jobs uh, at the same time, she was a designer, so she was saying to me, you know, like, you're smart, you have a computer, like, I can teach you to design and make money. And so I've always been good at teaching myself stuff. So while I was working in hostels, when I had spare time, I would just learn design and then development and, like, whatever I needed. So eventually we both had good jobs that we have now. So then we stopped doing the work away thing, and we would just rent apartments places. But, uh, yeah, eventually we went to Georgia during 2020 because it was the only place open for Americans during COVID. Yeah. And we were in America, but it's too expensive. I was like, we got to we gotta get out of here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So after doing that, we realized, like, we're staying in each place longer and longer. It's getting tiring traveling around. Like, anybody who's done it knows it gets exhausting, you know? Like, you don't have a home base. Like, you only have one backpack of stuff. So then we realized if we want to settle down, we want it to be in Europe. 
So Portugal was the easiest one for Americans to move to. So we did that. And then we last year just realized, you know, we don't really like it. Uh, we come to the Netherlands. We like it. Turns out it's even easier to come here. So now we're settled down. Now we have a two-year lease. So now wow. it's for real. Yeah. <laughs> cool. It's like a resident that's, that's, now. That's a yeah. commitment right Yeah. There. Yeah. Did you, cool. did you skate much in Morocco? No, I didn't bring my skates, actually. I, for like, three years, you didn't skate? No, no, no. Because when I left the States, I was like, I'm done skating. Oh, you like... I was just done. Yeah, well, I wasn't like, I'm never going to skate again, but I just kind of felt like I'm not going to carry my skates. Yeah. You know, I'm going to Morocco and Portugal. Like, the, yeah. you know, what? It, there's going to be nothing to skate. I need, I, the point is to get away from this thing, right? Like, right. to take a serious break from it, you know? So I like, it's so funny. I buried my shadows in the desert in Arizona what? like two days before I left. Yeah, dude. It was so uh, weird. I was just weird are then. Still there? Yeah, for sure. Uh, like, I don't know. It's a dog dug them up. <laughs> 10,000 years from now, when they're going to do artifacts of Earth, they're going to dig up the shadows. I'd be like, what do these humans do? 10,000 years ago. The way a shadow looks too, like just like the shell itself. Like that looks weird. Right. The shadow itself is not going to be self evident, like what it was for. They're like, what was this? It's going to link it to Dustin Latimer somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just the weirdest decision in the moment, you know, because it was like it was a big moment, you know, like yeah. I'm leaving the States. I don't know what's going to happen. I've like left all my friends behind. I'm this weird sober guy now. I'm going to go bury my skates in the desert. OK, Dude, you gotta, actually, you gotta I, find those. I actually understand that, like the symbolism of, of that kind of moment. I'm not sure if you had the same experience, but I, I when uh, when I was actually like I did a, a Ross Gilda and mm. um, I was like maybe I think 20, 29 or 30. And I was just I remember I was like. It's like a big like skating event where there's like uh, then there's like Festival music thing. and then yeah. there's like eight days of there's drinking and all this stuff. And I just remember at the end of it just being so exhausted and I had a pair of skates and I was just like, I think I'm taking a nice break. And I left them with a kid. I was like, here, you can have these skates. And it was like my like for a second, like not that I could buy skating forever, mm. but just like I need to leave this here for now. And I think that, that maybe you might have had something similar experience with like burying the skates. or Yeah, yeah. And sometimes like I needed that break, you know. Yeah. I needed to get away from it because it was kind of what we were saying. Like it had gotten to the point where I was like, I'm only going to skate to film. And like every clip needs to be the best thing I've ever done. So it gets to the point where I would get, you know, one clip a month. So it wasn't fun anymore. Uninspired, like you said. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so when I did start skating again a few years later, all of a sudden it was like, oh, I bought skates, put them on my feet. And I've never felt as happy on skates as I did rolling down the street that moment. I was just like a kid again, you know, like, oh, my God, this feels so good. So then when I came back and made ashes right away i was like i just want to skate like me nobody's gonna watch this nobody cares i'm not sponsored i'm just gonna have fun like and do what feels good because all the pressure was gone so i think it was important to quit for that time period for sure yeah i, I think I've, I've i've had like a similar experience like because of like shoulder injuries and stuff i took like a good like at least a year like where i was like i can't i think i'm at least take i don't know what but I, I didn't know if i was gonna be able to skate how i did before but then just like when you do come back and you put the skates on, like the gratitude that you have for simple things. I remember like even skating with Miguel and he's like, you know how good it is? Like fish brain stole a quarter pipe. And, I, mm. and then like I, I just did that and I was like the simple things that you would like take for granted in like a liner at the skate park and just like, wow, that really does feel good. So just to kind of reconnect with that feeling um, so I can understand that. I do want to talk to you. You mentioned it about your sobriety and like, uh, if, if that's okay. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, so was there like a, a kind of moment of clarity where you're like, or I'm not sure if like you were getting caught up or kind of taking things too far, but was there like a, a there must've been a moment where you're saying, Hey, I need to kind of disconnect from this style of life. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'm one of those people where it's almost like comically, like I had my first drink at, you know, 12 or 13 and immediately it was like, this is for me, you know, like I love this. Like, I'm not scared anymore. I'm not self-conscious. So I was drank heavily my whole life. You know, like I was an alcoholic and I did a lot of drugs to help me maintain being a drunk. You know, like it's easier to be a drunk when you do cocaine as well. And so it was getting harder and harder to skate. And meanwhile, like my mental health was all over the place. You know, I was extremely depressed and suicidal. Like it was just very dark. And I would take it out on skating, and I think that's why I skated a certain way or with a certain intensity. Also because, like I said, growing up, that sort of feeling of I have to be the best skater to get out of Paige, to get away from this life, I have to be the best. And so the way you become the best is by being really, really hard on yourself, right? And so that was beginning to add up. You know, I could barely get clips, and then I feel like I suck at skating, so then I have to get even like more drunk, and then it's like a perpetual cycle. And kind of the scene that I rolled with was 
of a similar mindset. You know, I felt the same way, like cool skaters get drunk and are depressed and take it out on themselves. And that's why they skate a certain way, right? Like that's why you feel something when you watch them skate. But eventually it was just adding up, you know, like, like I said, I'm living in a basement apartment. I have an, a dead end job. Like I can't keep a relationship going. Like I'm having suicide scares on a regular basis. Like this has to stop. And so I kept trying to get sober and that would only last a few months and then like try again and try again. And the final time that I did, the moment of clarity, I would say, was I was on the Colorado road trip. And like, you know, you've been on, have you been on the road trip? I haven't, but I'm I have, I, I have, yeah, yeah. close friends who have been on it and like there's a bit of a celebration. Yeah, yeah. It's. Just, I mean, we joked, it's not for rollerblading, you know, it's for partying, like <laughs> yeah, doing drugs. Yeah, like, like, who rollerblades on the thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's a side thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so I had gone like especially hard and I had had, like I had, had like a suicide attempt before that and i had been in a crisis unit after that where you go when you attempt suicide and you don't do it and so i had been put on medication antipsychotic medication and so once that happened i thought i'm on medication now so i'm good so i can party now you know like i've dealt with it right so on that road trip i was like i don't know how much you're allowed to say on this but i was like taking 2cb i was doing cocaine i was drunk i was smoking pot like i would take anything given to me i crashed a motorcycle twice like i crashed my car off the road like i was full-on party mode in a bad way like in, like yeah. a way that i'm ashamed of, of now yeah. yeah and so at there was this girl on the road trip that i had a crush on and i was flirting with her a whole bunch the whole road trip it was just this kind of funny joke and at the end of it she had left and i was like man when i get back to denver like I'm definitely going to like call her and like, she's going to, she had a boyfriend or something like she's going to leave her boyfriend for me. And my friend who I won't say, but he knows who he is. And he knows that this saved me was sitting next to me. And he looked at me with like a disgusted look. And he's like, yeah, dude, she's going to leave her boyfriend for you. And I realized right then that was when I was like, whoa, dude, like it was like, I stepped outside of myself and realized like, I'm not a cool drunk skater. I'm just like a loser. I'm just an asshole who's not dealing with his problems and who's an, who's an alcoholic. And so at that moment, then I was like, okay, I'm going to buy a ticket to Europe. So then I have to be sober to save money because drinking and doing drugs is really expensive, you yeah, know? Yeah. Uh, and so that was kind of the moment of clarity. And after that, like, it was easy, honestly. Like, not drinking now, I don't even desire it ever or want to. Uh, when I'm at skate events, I'll smoke cigarettes sometimes. It's like I associate them almost with skate events. But when I'm at home, I don't ever want one. So here you'll probably see me smoking, but when I go home on Monday, I won't even think about it. It's just kind of my thing that I do when I'm here. But yeah, I don't really, I don't miss drinking. And if anything, I kind of wish that I had stopped sooner because it allowed me to skate better. And it allowed me to be healthier, like mentally, because when you have depression or anxiety or any mental health issues, the, the alcohol is like your way of kind of dealing with that, but it also gets in the way of you getting better. I, first of all, thank you for sharing that. Um, I could, I could totally, especially in my older age, like relate to like, you know, alcohol is a depressant. So like, if you're like drinking in excess, like, um, then you're waking up the next day and, and you have like these, like, I like thoughts that could be suicidal or depressing. It does not help. Mm -hmm. I might be able to like relieve something for the moment and but then it just compounds like as you're like in the, on the back end. And it's tough, like in this kind of, in this kind of culture that we share, because there is the temptation there. Um, but it's cool to like hear that, like you're so far past and you don't like need to do that to engage in skating. Like sometimes yeah. I look at like these younger kids and like, I feel like they feel like they have to, mm -hmm. and, and like, especially when they're coming up in this way where they're yeah. being like trying to get further along and like getting known and in the skating world that we all participate in. And it's like, that is kind of being like that person is tied into it, but it, that's all bullshit. That doesn't mean anything. Like what matters is like the skating and like the connections that you have and the friendships really. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing that really bums me out about it is when I see like younger skaters who kind of have that same thing going, you know, like I do think in our culture, especially street skating, there's like this huge influence of like the cool party or skater. Like I don't give a shit about anything. I'm just drunk and I skate maybe. And when I was that way too, yeah, like I felt that that was who I am, you know, like, th like this is why I am who I am. But it wasn't until I was sober and like not doing that stuff that my skating finally became something where I look at it now and I say, this is me. And I don't think it's gotten lamer. No, it's, yeah, no, <laughs> way. It, 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 no it's, way. it's really interesting to like, um, when you do 
like it's it's strange to think about some like the best skating and best skaters like somehow that they were like had all these unhealthy things tied in but when you let go of that and like you kind of take like a more proactive approach like even if like you're doing some like working out beforehand or just like taking care of your body eating right drinking water or just even minimum abstaining from like destroying your body or being destructive that what is what you're able to do is be like more honest with your intention or like mm -hmm. be more like clear with what you're trying to do on skates and it gives you like more tools so. yeah it does and especially with like the thing we were saying making parts where you have a vision you know the vision shouldn't include you being trashed and if it does then it's probably just blinding you to what the vision is it's just going to make it harder to achieve it anyway that said i don't want to sound like i'm like nobody should ever drink again or do drugs. Like if you can drink and do drugs and skate and that's like your thing and it works for you, that's cool, man. Like you, it just yeah. doesn't work for me, mm -hmm. you know, like it just stopped working. But yeah, I, I just, I do think it's kind of a bummer when I see some younger skaters that still like idolize that, but it's a phase, you know, like just like for some people partying in college or whatever, I think when you're in your twenties and you're a skater, that's what you do, you know, Yeah, and you like, gotta learn it. Exactly. Like you, you, you had to like get through that to get to where you're at and hopefully it doesn't like, permanently like affect some of those people and they can like get through yeah. that phase as well well people can hopefully learn from it too by listening to podcasts like this as well <laughs> we've had a lot of we're fortunate to have a lot of great people like yourself and jeff howard and stuff who have had been through these phases and are able mm. to speak about it openly and you know give a positive light on this and, and how it affects your life positive negative and the better outcome which is you now and you say like you're mm -hmm. better than ever been yeah yeah definitely and i think that like I said, if it's, you know, it's up to you, whatever works for you. And in some ways I'm happy that I went through it, you know, like yeah. having such low moments in your life where you have nothing and you are, you know, suicidal, you have drug problems. Like it makes me appreciate everything that much more now. And like on my way here, I had a weird moment, you know, like I, you know, I really look up to you guys as skaters and uh, what you do with the podcast. And I, I was walking here and I realized like I live in Europe right now and I'm casually walking down the street to go beyond a Jump Street podcast, and I had an edit hosted by them skates yesterday. Wh how did this all happen? <laughs> like, what, how did this, how could I have come from such a low place to here? Not that it's some sort of triumphant story, but just that I think I can appreciate it more almost because of the impossibility of it, you know? My partner always says to me now, like, now that I've been skating for a few years, I'm starting to be way too hard on myself again, you know, the same way where I'm like, no, no clip is good enough. Like, nothing we filmed in nyc is good enough everybody's gonna hate it i'm a fraud i i shouldn't have it on them skates like i suck and she'll say like what would you living in like your teenage version of you living in page say if they saw you skating now like doing this and i have to remember like oh yeah actually i would probably think that was pretty cool you know definitely yeah so it's all a mindset thing so on the one hand i think i learned a valuable lesson from it but it kind of feels like a lot of wasted time too you know <laughs> I, I, I can totally relate to that. And I, I think what part of what you're saying is like, it's like a, it's, it has good sides and bad sides. Like um, it's going to bring the best out of your skating, but then also you could be like, uh, because you're like, ah, I'm not settling for this, not settling for that, but it could also bring something negative too. So it's good mm -hmm. to kind of balance that. Um, you mentioned Mike's uh, the thing that you recently did with Mike in New York and with them skates. And I'm, when I heard it was in, First of all, like we, I was talking about your clips that I had seen recently in Plastic mm. Pushers, yeah. and I was like, oh, I really love those clips. And you were like, ah, I don't know about those. <laughs> yeah, I was like, so hard on yourself. I was yeah, like yeah. dude, come on, I really love that. Um, so I guess it's, I, but I know what you're saying, going hard on yourself. Um, but I'm also like very partial to when someone like skates New York. I like to see like their take on it. I also <laughs> mm. like to see like yeah, when yeah. specifically when like. Um, someone like Mike, who's like, he's, he's, he's a kind of like a New York city resident now, but he's newer to the city. So like seeing mm. the spots he brings people to, and then how those skaters like interact with those spots. I'm like, always oh, so fascinated to see. So how did that uh, project come to be? Uh, well, of course I always wanted to make something with Mike, you know, I love everything that he makes, especially the past few years. Like, you know, I watch his stuff over it's and over really again. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And so at the beginning of the year, like I said, I had been living in Portugal for a bit. I had sort of deluded myself into thinking I wasn't making parts anymore. And then I realized like, I just love skating. I just want to keep making parts. When I made ashes, it was the easiest part ever made. I just like did tricks that felt good and filmed them, did it in two weeks. I'm just going to keep doing that. And I'm going to do it three times this year. So I hit up all the filmers I'd ever wanted to make something with. I was like, Hey, I want to make something this it's year. Also, Are you get interested? proactive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, cause I have a job where I can travel and my lease was ending. So it was like, you know, my partner, my fiance was down to 
to travel. So like, let's go film some parts. So I hit up everybody and Mike responded and Calvin responded and uh, Martin too in Norway. And so basically I just planned it where we would go to come here for a month and then I would go film the thing with Mike. We would go to my buddy's wedding in the US and then I would go to Norway and film. And so it just didn't work out quite the right way because I wasn't skating enough in Portugal. And then when I came here, I didn't really like the spots, but I felt obligated to skate them. My body didn't feel right the whole month. And then there was a month between here and New York. And I only skated once in Florida, like for an hour. So when I finally- How'd you end up down in Florida? Uh, my, my fiance's family is from there. So we, when we go there, we'll stay there usually. So when I finally got to New York, I just didn't, I wasn't super confident. So I didn't skate really the way that I wanted to. I had a couple injuries, but of course Mike is like a true pro, you know, like he can make every trick look cool. He's got his list of spots that he's like, these are hand picked for you. It's, mm -hmm. it was just so much fun so doing thoughtful. it. Yeah. yeah. And like the one trick that I really have been wanting to do was that top horn wall ride to top horn on the rail. And I really wanted him to film it. Cause I knew that he would know how to make it look cool. Yeah. And so like, once we had that one, then I was like, okay, like he, that was the only clip I think I had him show me. Like he showed me the dailies once. And then I was like, don't ever, don't show me my footage anymore until it's done. Uh. <laughs> and so like, I was hyped to have that one. So it was more or less just like, I want to make a bunch of stuff this year and I want to make something with him. And so it just kind of naturally worked out. Yeah. That's cool. Did you tell him about that trick that you wanted to do when he found the spot? He like curated the spot for you. Uh, I, I think we discussed it once I was there. I was like, do you know a wall rail that's long enough to do this? It can't have a dode on it. It can't be too long or whatever. And so I think he picked that one for that trick, but I can't remember if yeah, he knew what the trick was. Really yeah. specific trick that you wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. Also something I think has never been done before. I don't right? know, maybe. I, I, if I have any NBDs, they're all on wall rails. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a cool thing to have, though, because not, yeah, yeah. not many people do that. <laughs> I always appreciated that. I, I don't understand wall rails. I don't know how people skate them in any way. Well, once and you learn them, they're them. fun. I don't know. How to... It's weird body stuff, you know? It, yeah, I, I feel like it could, like, I used to be confused by wall rails too, but then I feel like on some tricks, it's like, oh, like once you learn them, it's like, this is almost. It's kind of safe. It could be safer than like a regular rail yeah. once you like. It feels so you, unsafe you don't, to you don't, <laughs> a regular rail. So not like, at least the traditional like racking it. Like would, yeah, would be yeah, kind of yeah. out of the option, you know. I'm almost never scared of that though. I don't know. I'm always scared of just shoulder checking the wall and just getting blasted off the, the uh, side or something like that, or getting a foot stuck. Or I mean, that yeah, can happen yeah, on really stuck. long ones. It and depends like, on what it is, I guess. The worst falls I've ever taken on one was when I I did full true soul on one, and that was bad because it's you can't get up over it, you know. So when you miss it, you can't grab the rail. Like you just fall backwards oh, down yeah. the stairs for a hundred times until you don't. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I think it's kind of hilarious that. All my NBDs are wall rail tricks. Those are good things to have under your belt, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah, I feel like I feel like you have a few. Like, I, I wouldn't, I'm, I wouldn't say like uh, NBDs, but there are some tricks that I feel like not done like you. Like, um, you have like a very specific and one of the best like pud slides. Mm -hmm. But like some like the the fakey two seventy to like balanced pud mm -hmm. is I feel kind of NBD ish in the in the way you do it. I'm um, sure it's been done and not filmed probably, but. Yeah, that one was that one was weird too. Yeah, I don't know. I I was never traditionally good at skating, so I think like in Arizona, I was just like I need to learn tricks that people don't do, you know. So I learned all the weird negatives and yeah, pud slides and and stuff like that, just so I had an excuse not to do a three sole. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I heard you also say that you don't really. Am I correct in hearing that, that you didn't really like the spots out here in the Netherlands? Uh, I wouldn't say that I didn't like them. I've found some cool ones, but a lot of them, and we do a lot of sessions. So it's just like, go to the flat ledge or like go to the perfect rail, you know? So I just haven't really vibed with it the way I did. Like in New York city, I loved the spots. Like they were also weird and cool and crusty, but I think it's mostly just cause I haven't really explored here and found them for myself yet. I, I see plastic pushers all like all the plastic pushers and I'm like, mm. all these spots are look phenomenal. Yeah, you know? there are some of like the most amazing rail spots here for sure. They're just perfect. I, yeah. I don't know. All types, even this town, this little yeah. town has so many spots, so many spots. You can film a whole section here easy in this little yeah, town. Yeah, yeah. One, the one clip I liked in Plastic Pushers where I royale up the rail and do the wall ride, that's like right like behind that building right there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I find like a mix. Like you, you'll see some really good spots here, but then I'll see some like clips like label, like we'll send it to like the group chat and He's just like rolling on like cobblestone and mm -hmm. stuff like these yeah. old kind of streets. So, I mean, it, it, 
makes the aesthetic of the trick look really good, but it's not like, wow, what a perfect spot. Yeah, it's not like perfect. Yeah, they're not perfect, but they're they're cool, you yeah. know. And the ground here is light years beyond Portugal, so it's like cobblestone all day. That's fine. I don't care. Which is <laughs> pretty rough. Huh? It's it's gnarly, yeah, because it's all famous for. Portugal is famous for Calceta, which is like the name of the sidewalk, which is made out of stones. So it's like even riding flat, you have to be like pushing as hard as you can to maintain any amount of speed. It's intense, man. That like trains you, though. It, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. Seasons you for being that much better on a regular ground or whatever. Yeah, for sure. When I went to New York, my Mike or one of the other guys was like, oh, dude, I bet you can't stay on the ground. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is, <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure how we're doing on time. How are we doing on time? Uh, we're at 50 minutes. Okay. So I, th I think we got like another 10, yeah, 15 time. minutes. Um, but uh, so like you said, um, the announcement of them skates, because I wasn't even like sure like you were working with uh, any skate brands until like I saw the announcement yeah, as well. So like how, how did that come to like tie into like this announcement and, and Winter Clash? Well, I mean, I should be clear. I don't know. Like I'm just, it's just an edit that they're sharing, you know, like I, Mike and I just made it and I had gone to london recently for a skate event and been hanging out with john so i had mentioned like oh yeah i was filming with mike and so he had said like oh i want to see it and so i just sent it to him and said you know like honestly this feels like it kind of like a them thing because mike made it yeah it's in new york i'm skating them like if you want to share it that's cool if not like i i don't care i'm gonna put it on youtube and so of course he was excited about it and wanted to to share it and so it just felt like why not i guess you know i'm friends with him and it seems like a them thing so it was a very natural feeling yeah 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 that was cool to see and um yeah i feel like them them obviously not i feel like it's like on the always on the cutting edge of like uh rollerblading stuff and like doing introducing new stuff new collabs like new like when there was like oh we have an announcement for winter clash i was like oh like you're, you're always wondering yeah. because they're always doing something cool it reminds me of like senate back in the day yeah you know, like senate was always like it was like the biggest like mind game something like mind that. Like game, something yeah. along the, not the same but like something similar to those vibes like it is an honor to have them host your video yeah, and like absolutely. john even like john like appreciating your your skating and stuff like that you know that's yeah like yeah really good to makes you feel good and you know probably motivates you to skate more i mean it does and it doesn't i've been joking a lot lately that like it's like John likes my skating. He's very communicative about it. All my heroes that I've grown up watching, you know, like my skating and tell me about it, you know, but it's never enough validation, you know, like it's never <laughs> good enough still, you know? Yeah. But that was the, the other thing, like I said, that my partner had said, she's like, you met Jaron Grobe and that's it when you were 13. Like, imagine if you had met all your favorite pros and they were like, oh, you're so sick. Wouldn't you feel good about yourself? And I'm like, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to make that comparison too because you mentioned it earlier. But I feel like we've all kind of been through that. Like, Billy, you've been on, like, you made it onto, like, USD and then you end up skating with, like, Sagona and, like, mm. Stockwell and these people that you probably, like, look up to too. And same thing similar with me. Like, when I was riding for Vala yeah. and stuff, I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm, like, with, like, Alex and Eric Bailey and John yeah. Julio and stuff like that. I was this is really cool. And it, like, it's kind of that like little childhood dream that we have these these small little dreams that we have to, in our heads compared to everything <laughs> else that you could have but like just those little things are cool yeah i mean in no other community would that happen yeah you know like what would be way harder right like what football fan gets to meet their favorite player and not only meet their favorite player but their player is going to be like dude you were so good at kicking the ball i love it you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever they say in football i don't know you know so i'm very grateful for that for sure you know like and when i talk to my parents about it they, that's when it sets in because then they'll also be like you know oh that's so cool like remember that guy from that video or whatever and even they're like it's cool they don't know really what it means but i'm grateful that i get to meet and skate with the people that i admire so much for sure it's rollerblading does bring that like unique experience where you go from like watching the people who you're, you're inspired by to like so uh easily kind of meeting them and then becoming friends and then like a part of uh, your life it's like, very fascinating in that way yeah um so you were saying with your first of all i love that your partner by the way like references jaron groban like he plays such a key, <laughs> a key role in your life i mean that really fascinating yeah but um so you're saying the past two years you've been like more pushing into skating and to the point where like even your partner was noticing, oh, you're kind of going too hard on yourself. Mm. So so wh where are you at now with it? Is it like a thing where it's 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 a part of the community where like, oh, I'm in the Netherlands now. I have like a skate community where it's a, it's an attachment to friendship. Is it something where you're pushing to make another part? What's on the horizon? 
I definitely want to make another part because I'm just not happy with anything I've made. <laughs> I so, like, I'm, the, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. Currently. So, are you ever going to be satisfied? I don't. I mean, I was satisfied with Ashes. Ashes. Yeah, yeah. That like kills. when I there was two or three tricks that could have been done better, but like that felt like me. I I I didn't expect anyone to watch it. So like when it went over so well, I was just like, oh my god, this is so cool that this community like appreciates it. And like I said, when I made it, dude, I, I almost took no falls. Like I just would do tricks that felt good. It was just me and my buddy filming it. Like it. And so when I watched it afterwards and if I watch it now, it's the only part that I can watch. And I'm like, yeah, that was like, that was it. Like, that's me. I, I can share this. If someone it. says, what's your skating? Yeah. So, yeah. And like, I don't feel any shame. I don't feel, I feel like I'm, I really express myself with it. But the thing is because I had just started skating again, there was none of that pressure and none of that expectation. Right. It was gone. You know, like I'll do what I can do. And I think that in the past two years, trying to skate more, travel more, be more involved in things like Winter Clash, it started to add up again. Yeah, where I'm like, you know, nothing is good enough. Like, come on, you got to try harder. You got to push yourself harder. You got to do better than this clip. You got to. And like my poor partner, of course, is like, you are an idiot. I'm sick of hearing you talk so <laughs> negatively about yourself. You know, like so this morning she was like watching me look, look at all the Instagram messages. She's like, this is crazy. Like, how do you like why you know you need to stop being so negative and yeah. she has a good point because some of the younger skaters here too like notice it and they'll be like dude you're so negative about your skating so at this point i'm just trying to like kind of learn where that came from and it sounds cheesy but i've actually been talking to a therapist about it and she's made a good point which is that when i was in page because life was kind of rough you know i was beginning to drink a lot i was fighting a lot i had a dead-end job i ran with really bad people and I thought my life was going to ultimately be very bad, you know, or end very early. And I had that drive of like skating is the answer. Like go to the skate park. Like, am I depressed? Go to the skate park. Like did a girl break up with me? Go to the skate park. Like if I get good enough at this thing, I can get out. And like I said, that was where that voice of like, you need to be better. You need to do better. You need to like, nothing is good enough developed, which is why now when I put out a clip, like yesterday, when we put out the edit, I felt, like I felt deep shame, like visceral shame. Like this isn't good enough. Like you're not good enough. You're going to let everybody down. Like this isn't as good as ashes. Like your skating sucks. And I've realized like, where does that come from? You know? And, and recently when I began to see a therapist, I said, you know, like, I just want to know what this thing is, you know, it's in the way again. Like ashes was so easy to make because I didn't have any of that. Right. So where is this, where's this thing coming from? And she kind of pointed out, like, well, for you, skating, when you grew up, it was life or death, wasn't it? Because you get good at skating and you get away from this place, right? Or you suck at skating and you're stuck. You, you know, have whatever life I would have had in Arizona. Like, probably, not that there's anything wrong with it, but probably living in a trailer with a girl I barely knew and, like, drinking vodka from Walmart every night. Like, like that would have been my life. And so skating was life or death for me. It was get good at this or die. And now that's why my skating, like... I have such an intense, like emotional bond to doing good. But the thing is, that's funny about it is when you have that obsession, it gets in the way. Like you and I have talked a little bit about like, yeah, that like drive for more, you know, like really good skaters have that drive, like to do better, but it, it comes with a balance, man. Yeah. So for this year, like I'm just thinking I want to make stuff with my friends and I want to do tricks that feel comfortable to do and feel good to do. You know, I don't want to force anything. I would love to not hurl my body across an alleyway into a wall 20 times. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that would be was, sick. That was, wild, yeah. that was stupid. You know, like, that's an example of being like, I'm, I have to do this. You know, like, I'm not, I haven't been skating good enough for Mike. I've got to get this clip. I've got to do this. Instead of being like, this doesn't feel good. Let's go to the next thing. Right. Because that comes from a different place of confidence. So in this year, right. I'm, I'm like, my main focus is skate with the kids here a lot, like have fun and do tricks that like feel good and film clips. And if I like them, I can share them. And if not, I don't have to. And if they're not good, that's not the end of the world. Yeah. I'm not going to die anymore. I, I'm, I'm in the Netherlands. I'm a long way from where I came from, right? Like yeah. the fight is over, put down the guns and enjoy skating, I guess. Yeah. That, that's, that's really interesting because it also sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that um, when your therapist said it's like life or death, that it almost did serve like, in a purpose to save like your life without mm. being cheesy in some sort of way, because it ended up being a vehicle that like got you to Colorado and then ultimately to yeah. Europe to be in this position where you have this new job. But it seems like the system in which function to achieve that is like no longer like, and that's kind of what we got to do as we like evolve. We kind of got to shed old systems and be like, mm. even though that was very functional, like at this moment, it's not serving me in the way that it once did to like get that done. Um, so uh, it's cool that you're able to like, 
you know, analyze it in that sort of way. And uh, it, it, that's really cool to, to that, like, to have recognized that. I mean, it's super dramatic, you know, talking about it, it kind of sounds like it's like when you put it in the context of we're talking about a man riding plastic rollerblades it's kind of funny you know but like <laughs> all of it is when you bring it well, yeah, 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 right, you know? right but yeah it's just a vehicle for emotions and for like you know for skating or for for me it was you know a sport for somebody else or you know maybe a science or coding or whatever you know like it was an escape and now that i've escaped i need to learn how to kind of shift that mindset so it's kind of interesting because i do think that drive that we've discussed like it actually comes from a place of love and like wanting to protect you like if I skate so good that you can't criticize it, I'm safe, right? Like, it's like you're kind of protecting right. yourself by pushing yourself in a negative way. But it, I don't know, it just kind of adds up. You got to learn how to balance it. A, a way I can definitely relate is like, um, for like, you know, part of my life skating was, I, I think I had a similar experience where skating was like a form of escape or mm -hmm. something that made sense in like a chaotic kind of way, which I grew up. And then it also defined me in a way where my peers in skating and other people like look to me to as this pro and then if i couldn't skate like that then who even am i like what is my yeah. identity there and there was a part where and, and during that break where i was like having more frustration with skating than than joy because i was like feeling like i had to live up to a former version of myself mm -hmm. in skating but then i think and fortunately through miguel ramos who kind of like showed me this but none of that matters like it's like that's all like an illusion and it's like what you getting the joy from skating is i feel like or at least if you could find that beneficial that ended up being beneficial for me it may not mm -hmm. be beneficial for everyone but just like letting go of the expectations that you hold yourself up to and also like what you think other people hold you to and just truly being able to like enjoy this thing that is beautiful and you get a completely different experience with that and oftentimes that's when like your best stuff will come out because you're just like having fun and not being like i gotta do this uh crazy thing it's more organic that way yeah I yeah so. i couldn't agree more i mean when my whole thing is like to be as present in the moment as possible and when you're skating and you're absolutely present in the moment skating and you're not thinking about anything else that's when the best skating happens these issues arise from too much thinking not enough skating like it really is that simple totally but for people like us i think like serious street skaters like you guys like it's easy to get caught up just thinking about it a lot, you know? So, yeah. Definitely. I, I got to ask real quick because we got to wrap this up soon. Yeah. But just <clears throat> like what makes you be so hard on a section? Because you're saying like you still have to like live up to a hype, like a certain past section. But like is it the quality of the tricks to what your mind is at now in skating? Is it like the feeling that you had during that time that like reminds you of a better mm. place in your life? Like – is it a mix of those things? Because it seems like it's, you mentioned both those sides of it. And I'm curious what aspect matters to you more in a section being like your quote best section. Yeah, that's actually a really good question because, and this is, I keep saying ashes, but it's just a defining moment for me in my skating where I, I like unlocked what I wanted to do and I got it on paper and I was able to present it. A lot of those tricks I'm not, were easy, right? And I'm not very impressed by them, you know? Like I did easier tricks on spots, I'd done harder tricks on. So. It almost isn't a difficulty thing. It's more like a feeling. Like when I watch the clip, I want to have a feeling of like intensity or or whatever. But I think when it comes to that, yeah, that push for doing better, mostly it's based on whether I feel that the clip is up to par in the sense that usually it's a little dangerous and I feel I'm risking it and I have to be hyper-focused to do it, then I know the clip is good. But I don't know. That's actually really interesting. I need to think more about that because yeah. it would be nice if I could define the quality yeah. that I'm, you know, striving to achieve. <laughs> and I, I, you made me think about that too, because I never thought about that either. But yeah. it is true. Like you draw an emotion from like how you felt during that time. Possibly mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean it's like your best skating or most innovative skating, but it could just mean that like you enjoyed it the most and it's your favorite because that was like a really good time in your life, right mm -hmm. there, or a really good trip that you had or something like that. You know? Yeah, that's true. Huh. And it's not necessarily because other people might look at it and be like, no, nah, your skating was way better in this section mm -hmm. than that section. You're like, no, nah, that's not my favorite section, though. Like that time of my life was better. I enjoyed who I filmed this one with. And yeah. that's what matters to me most. Yeah, that's true. It's a weird thing that skating can be so, so subjective, especially just because, like we said, sometimes the easier tricks you do end up being your favorite in the part, you know, and the trick that you die for is like you don't even want to use it. So it's hard to say because you would think you could just go out and do soul grinds and feel good. But. I don't know. It's some combination, I think, of yeah, of spot and of trick choice. I love when I go to a spot 
and I immediately know this is the trick and it's perfect for this spot. I'm not just like doing a 450 Royale on a rail. It's like has to be done on this spot. It can only be done on this spot and it's a little dangerous, but dangerous in the way that I either need to do it right first try or that like I'm going to take a really bad fall, but not dangerous in the sense of like I could try this 400 times and be safe. Like I like risky tricks. Mm -hmm. So for me, when it comes to the individual trick, if it's a really cool spot with a really cool concept, I know exactly the trick to do and I can confidently do it. I just have to like get the risk done. Then I really like that for sure. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's weird. I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, that's an interesting topic though. I was just, I was curious in your thoughts about that one. Um, everything, every point you made was perfect too. Like it all, <laughs> it all makes sense, but like you add it all up together and like, wait a minute, what am I actually doing here? Like, what am I thinking about? Yeah, because I mean, I don't know about you, but like I hate when I go to a spot and I like, and just like struggling to figure out a trick and then your filmer's kind of like oh what about this what yeah, about that yeah. and you're like well i guess and then you like struggle to do it you know like it usually just that. it's like it ends yeah. up in something where you're like eh, you know yeah that's okay i like it honestly the best clips are when i go to a spot and i'm skating it and my friend will be like let me film that and i'm like no 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 and they're like no dude let me film that yeah. you know and then you watch it and you're like oh dude that was so sick yeah so it's like yeah. the, the unforced, like, like sometimes like when you're struggling to come up with the spot, like the tricks of the spot when the film was contributing and you're like, yeah, I guess. And then mm -hmm. you're trying to make it happen versus just like being at the spot. Things are flowing out. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, that's yeah. I feel like Taurus is like that, though, like filming with Taurus. Like he'll be like, this is a good spot for you to do like this trick. But they're like, oh, I didn't think about that. Just because that's the way his mind thinks, you know? Yeah, like definitely. From the film review, he knows like what looks good. There's a really uh, quick clip in the video that we just made where I do like an X grind to a true porn like it's on this rail to a ledge and the rail's like shaking afterwards yeah. at night. And that thing is super cool. It's like perfect, man. It's one of the most perfect spots I've ever been to. But because it was broken, you can't push off of it with one foot because you just get stuck. And I kept doing that X grind, like true porn, kind of like messing with it a little bit. I wasn't quite doing it right. And even I was like, dude, I don't know. This is like all I can do, man. And he was like, I mean, it's pretty cool. I think we should film it. And so then I finally was like, all right, I'm going to do an X grind true porn right now. And then he filmed it. And it's like my probably my favorite clip in the whole thing. So you have to trust your filmers, but you also need to know, and Kevin, I'm looking at you right now. You need, <laughs> you need to know when to tell your filmers, put that camera away, do not film this, and don't you ever show this to anyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not totally. Um, that relationship is totally important. Yeah. Um, I know we have a lot going on today, and John Julio yeah. is about to get into his thing at 11. Um, right now. Which is now. So, um, Cody, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. I think it was very insightful. It was really good to be able to talk to you on this platform personally. And I hope people that are watching are find something from it and get something from it because I think we have a lot of good uh, bits of information here. This is a great episode. Hell yeah. Um, oh, cool. Would you, before we let you go, do you have any like uh, last words or shout out that you'd like to impart on the skating community? I just want to say that I'm grateful to be a part of it and that everyone that sends me a supportive message, like I can't tell you how much it means to me. Like I never thought that I would make it this far in skating and I am just honored to to be able to skate at all and to do things that people enjoy and shout out to all my friends in Denver and Salt Lake and all the guys in Nijmegen. Yeah. And thanks for having me on. Awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Cody, this thank you. Awesome episode. And thank you for opening up about everything too. We appreciate it. Everyone, if you're watching live, thank you for watching. Stay tuned in a few hours. We're going to be two hours. We're going to be going live with Nils Janssen's here at Winter Clash to continue our marathon here. So everybody, thank you so much. And we'll see you on the next one. Peace.